Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Armor Report, guys. Thanks for being here, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Saturday. Market's closed. It gives us a chance to chat. I want to start by doing this. See that right there? You see that? Get a little closer. That's a megalodon tooth that I found walking the beach of Georgia a couple years ago. Why does it matter? Why do I have it on my desk? This thing is two and a half million years old. All the problems we have in life, they all pass. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, This is a show about stock market investing, not just philosophy. (laughs) Okay. So um, Armour Report, Algorithmic Risk Management Research. So everything begins and ends by managing our risk. Okay. Okay. I call this quantumental investing for those of you who are new. We use quantitative algorithms to tell us when to execute, when to buy and sell stocks. And we use fundamental foundation of research, combine those two, and we get powerful information that helps us protect capital and capture upside when the opportunities arise. And that's the information I share with you. Um, This is Information I use in my own personal account and for investors I manage money for through our interactive brokers relationship. What I've done is I've created a website for you all where you can subscribe. It's called the armorreport.com, A-R-M-R report.com. And I share that information with subscribers who I like to call Armor Insiders. Um, What are we going to talk about today? It's the week in review, so there's a lot to get, you know, a lot to get to. I'm going to try to just hit some points and then get to the Q&A because it seems like we like to have those chats on the weekends. Yesterday we went like an um, last week we went for an hour, so maybe we can uh, get to the Q&A a little bit faster this time. Here are the topics today. We have the Armor algorithms on seven of the top indexes that we use to drive our risk management decisions. It's the S&P, the Dow, the NASDAQ 100, the small cap index, the momentum index, the IBD 50, and the value index. Those seven drive all of our risk decisions. So I'm gonna talk to you about those seven. We're gonna get to them in a minute. Those of you who have been following me know these are the seven algorithms that got us out of the market the first day of the crash and certainly by the end of the week, right? Because we have some portfolios that are run by algorithms that just went to cash January 20, February 24th, the, 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 big, the first day of the crash. And then the rest of the portfolios, we raised stops everywhere, protected capital. So we're looking to those indexes to tell us when to put capital back to work. I'm going to share some information about them. Then I'm going to drop down and talk about just a couple 
house cleaning things, I want to discuss a little stop loss um, rule with you. We've been talking about that. I want to update you and clarify something. We're going to talk about gold for a second. I want you to know something about next week. It's going to be important. Um, then we're going to talk about the Armor whiteboard. Now, I share with my Armor insiders literally the stocks that we're looking to buy. I put them at the top of the whiteboard so when, this, when, when the window opens for us to put money to work, we know right where to go. All right, so Armor insiders can go to the website and see what the names are. But I want to share with you guys how I'm changing the complexion of the top of the whiteboard. All right, then we'll hit COVID-19 just for a second. God knows I don't want to spend too much time on it because I'm just worn out. Maybe you guys are too, of, of every single story having to do with COVID right now. So let's try to spend some time today talking about other things. Uh, and we'll wrap up with the cannabis couch, backed by popular demand, all right? I haven't wanted to talk about it for a while, but we've got to talk about it. I've been listening to conference calls of the U.S. cannabis companies, and there's some important information that's spilling out, and it's got to be addressed. All right, so let's get to it. Don't forget, this is you know information that I use to manage my assets. I'm not telling you what to do. I don't know you guys, right? You're all different. If you're an Armour insider, you have the right to call me. We can have a one-on-one -on -one discussion and make it more personal. But for the sake of this YouTube um, community, I'm sharing my thoughts about my own portfolio and how I manage money, and I hope it helps you. All right, step one, the Armour algorithms. So 100% cash, 24th of February, first day of the crash. Last week... Three of those seven indexes turned positive on our algorithm. Now, that does not change our risk monitor. The risk monitor has other rules. It requires confirmation across the board for it to change color. So we went to red on the risk monitor on the 24th of February. It's still red just because three changed their color doesn't change the whole monitor, okay? And we do that because what we're looking for when we change from red, you know, avoid stocks to green, get aggressive and buy them, we're looking for uh, a confluence of events. We're looking for all of those indexes in a 24, 48-hour period giving us the green light to put capital to work. And the reason that really works the reason it's protected cash so well and, why, and, and how it will work coming out of this is that generally speaking, um, when you come out of a move like this, it's, it's a whole market decision. It's not just one group or another group. Okay. So while three of the seven have told us to get long, and by the way, in our index only portfolio, we bought those three, right? It's an algorithm. There's no emotional decision there. It fires. It went to 100% cash the first day of the crash. And on that day, you know, who knew the crash was coming? So when you exit every position, you feel maybe, see, this is silly. And, of course, a month later, it was, it was um, the very opposite of silly. So we've got 100% cash there. It's going to look for opportunities to put some money to work, right? We have some alpha to burn, right? There's a huge alpha for us in that index-only portfolio. I'm telling you this because it doesn't mean for you to run out and buy stocks. 
if you're running an index only algorithmic fund, you would be buying stocks. Um, so we need more confirmation from the other four indexes and we're not going to get it. So that means we have to stay on the sidelines for now. Look, we have four portfolios we manage and the Armour Insiders can monitor these portfolios. We update them at the end of every day. We've just instituted, by the way, at the request and advice of an Armour Insider, thank you very much, you know who you are, a Slack chat room for all Armour Insiders. So during the day, I try to update what we're doing and you all can talk as a community. And at the end of the day, I update the website so you can see what stocks we bought, the prices, and what the stops are. Um, any of you Armour Insiders who want to be part of that Slack community, just let me know, all right? And I'll send you an invitation. Um, so the purpose of these algorithms is to manage different pools of capital. If it's index-only, algorithmic-based, we bought those three indexes last week. If they're one of our three traditional stock portfolios, conservative, balanced, or aggressive, we're not doing anything with the indexes in that case, okay, just because of those, um, those three. We're not buying those three. Now, in our aggressive portfolio, we did buy an index last week, okay? So you see what I'm saying? There's different tiers of how you want to put money to work. And how does, this, how does this help you? You have to decide what type of investor you are. Are you aggressive? Are you conservative? Are you somewhere in between? If you're real conservative, then you want a green light on the armor algorithm, okay? You want the risk monitor to say, green light, get busy. That's when conservative money gets put to work. You don't care if the market goes up without you for a week. You're patient. You're waiting for the better entry point, Okay. If you're aggressive, you were buying last week, and it could either be a short-term trade or you could be trying to get a piece on for a longer-term trade with a tight stop. That's for more aggressive traders. All right, so wrapping up this segment, we did get a couple of the indexes giving us a risk on entry. We put some capital to work for aggressive portfolios and for index-only portfolios, but it hasn't really changed the picture much. And truth be told, I don't have much um, enthusiasm for this entry point. In fact, we have written into the algorithm that if we don't get confirmation, we buy half of a position size for these seven indexes. Okay. So the capital we have at risk is half what we normally would have at risk if we were getting uh, uh, long opportunities. Okay. Position size is key in a market like this. So let me skip over now to um, stop loss rules. Look, I've, I try to do armor education videos for you. You can see it on the channel here under playlist armor education. And I did a couple about stop losses. So please reference those later today or whenever you have time to understand more of what I'm about to say. For those of you who've seen it, then you'll understand what I'm saying now. We have three separate stop losses. So when we buy a stock, this is important, we buy a stock, there's two different kinds of stop losses. You buy a stock and you have a stop to protect your principal, which will be below what the, the, you know, the price you bought at, right? So where, where are you going to cut a loss? And then you have trailed stops. 
those are the fun ones where you've already made money and you want to capture that upside and protect the profits. Those are profit protection exits. So when I talk about stop losses right now, I'm talking, in fact, whenever I say stop loss, it's as its word suggests, stop loss. Okay. It's about how to protect principal. If I'm talking about raised stops or profit protection stops, as its name suggests, I'm talking about protecting your, your profits. Okay. So the stop losses are low of the day we bought, L-O-D-B, low of the move we're buying, L-O-M-B, and low of the structure we're buying, L-O-S-B. Now, sometimes the numbers are all the same. So sometimes the move you're buying and the structure are the same thing. If you bought it right, you're buying right tight to a double bottom or something like that. I just wanted you to understand this very important point. I do not... Uh, a, I don't put a stop loss into the market. I don't want people to know where I'm willing to fold my cards. Or you wouldn't sit around a Texas hold'em table and say, hey, if you go all in, I'm out, right? Okay, so um, I don't care what anyone tells you. If I put an order into the market, somebody is seeing that. A high-frequency trader is seeing that information. Everybody's all excited. They don't pay commissions anymore. Woohoo! All these discount brokers, you can trade all day long. You don't pay commissions. Give me a break, guys. Nothing's for free in life. And I guarantee people see your stop orders. Someone's paying that company for the, the privilege to see the order book. All right? So please don't do that. I don't do that. Um, and I also don't allow my orders to execute in the morning. The stops that I use are soft stops. They're not hard stops. I have a number. I have a time of day. If the stock is below that number at that time of day, I'm out. You say to me, well, don't you have big losses then sometimes? It goes right through your stock. Yes, I do. Sometimes the loss is bigger. Having done statistical analysis and optimization of an, an inordinate amount of strategies, you can't believe the amount of effort and work that's been put in, I can tell you with a fair amount of certainty Statistically speaking, it's better off to wait till the end of the day because in the morning, very often you get shakeouts to stop people out and then rips higher and then the asset goes a lot higher and you're sitting there saying, what the heck just happened to me? How did I get stopped out? This is not about day trading. This is about investing. We're buying and holding for a series of days. So if you stop out in the morning, hey, the day's not over yet. So how do you know it's below your stop by the end of the day, which is the real stop? It has to close below. Sometimes you open yourself up to more risk. The majority of the time, it will benefit you to be patient. If you don't like that, if you're more risk adverse, then cut your position in half. Wait for the end of day, cut the rest of it, or Realize that it rips higher, you still have your half your position on and let it run. That's totally legitimate because most stocks that work never attack their stop. Your best winners will never even look at the stop. So if it's even looking at the stop, okay, reduce positions. All right, let's move on. I hope that's clear. Um, I know I'm taking too long. I'm trying to rip through this. Gold, real quick. 
just to mention our gold positions. The end of the month is tricky for gold. Don't be surprised if you see weakness Monday and Tuesday. It's always like that. Okay, I take that back. Nothing's always. Maybe three months out of 12, the asset will go higher into the end of the month. But most of the time, for reasons of futures and rolling and a whole bunch of other things we're not going to waste time on, you get weakness in the last couple of days of the month. It's not a strange thing. And in this market, it could be serious weakness for all I know. You know, rips lower before it goes higher. I don't know. Just be advised. Volatility the first couple of days of this week would be normal. Um, new direction. I want to share with you some thoughts on new direction for the Armour whiteboard. Now, obviously, I'm not going to give you names. If you're an Armour insider, you can go find the names. ArmourReport.com, as you know, A-R-M-R-Report.com, and you'll see what I've done. For the sake of this conversation, I want to share with you guys, I've talked a lot about dividend stocks. I talked a lot about building a, a, a whiteboard full of your favorite dividend names, and I have completely changed my opinion on that. In the last couple of weeks, I've been forced to reevaluate that thought. Um, first of all, coming out of a big bear market with massive amounts of Fed intervention, um, the best stocks to own are growth stocks, hands down. But that's just statistically true over decades. But um, here's my problem with dividend payers right now. Not all of them. I do have some on my whiteboard. I do have some. I had a lot of conversations with clients and subscribers about, look at this name at 10.5% yield. Look at that name at 12% yield. These are great companies. Um, and I started to realize I thought they were great companies, too. They probably are great companies. Here's the problem. A lot of them are cutting their dividends. It's what you're looking at as a yield may not be a real yield. It's very tricky right now in the dividend space. Even the utility stocks have been slammed. And I know people who hide in utility stocks, and it hasn't done them a bit of good which makes no logical sense. But don't forget, remember, we're in an illogical market. I mean, generally, if treasuries are skyrocketing, rates are imploding, XLU, which is the utility ETF, should go through the roof. It's been destroyed. Why? Because you don't know if people are going to pay the utility bills. Utilities are saying they won't shut off their utility. They'll let you use it without having to pay. Nobody knows what's going on right now. Until we get an idea of what's happening, with COVID and how long it's going to last. I mean, and don't forget, if any company takes assistance from the government, that bill that was just passed, the $2 trillion of support for the economy, if you take assistance from the government, you can't buy back stock or pay a dividend for a year after you've paid off the loan. I'm wondering, does that include preferreds? What if a company has preferred stock? They can't pay the preferred dividend? I mean, the point is, we don't know where we are dividend-wise. So in making investment decisions based on a yield that looks good to you, I think right now is very dangerous. Now, if, if there's an announcement next week that remdesivir is a huge success, okay, and all of a sudden we could see the end of this thing, I might be grabbing these stocks with two hands at those yields. 
But right now, we don't know how long this is lasting. Who's taking advantage of the uh, of, of the Fed? I mean, of the uh, uh, government handouts, and and who's cutting their dividends? So I'm focusing the whiteboard on disruptive growth stocks, names that are um, coming out of COVID, coming out of this crisis. The way people do business is changing, and I think some of these things are going to stick. And I think some businesses are making, making it through this whole thing. The stocks are outperforming. Relative strengths are breaking out as the stocks are going down because they're going down much less than the market. You can find your leaders. Those are the names I'm focusing on. If you want to know one of the names I'm focusing on, you know, Armor Insiders, don't forget, I've just set up the ability to create a community using Slack, okay? You guys join me. During the day on Slack, I'm letting all Armor Insiders know what trades I'm making, okay? And I update the portfolio at the end of the day. You all can talk amongst yourselves as a community. That seems like a disruptive growth stock. Enough said. Moving on. COVID, real quick. I just want to say this one thing. The World Health Organization set up uh, last week, two days ago, announced the solidarity trials. Okay? There's a number of trials being launched on a massive scale to see if COVID, to see if these drugs can can uh, um, can address the COVID problems. And let's be honest, it's not just COVID-19. It's going to be other viruses in the world year after year now. Okay, so a lot of money is going to be spent, investments are going to be spent to create cures for these types of, uh, of viruses and problems. I think institutional capital is going to fly into these names that are doing this research. Okay, so I posted for you on Twitter um, and a great article about this WHO solidarity trial. And you can read through that and figure out probably what stocks I'm looking at. Armor Insiders, go online. You'll see what stocks I added to the portfolio on Friday. Please note, I didn't add them as big position sizes. I added them as smaller position sizes. I'm looking at this as an investment theme. How much capital do I want committed to the theme? Then divide that number whatever the dollar amount is for, the, for that theme, divide it by the number of stocks that are involved in this, um, uh, in, in this, uh, in this discovery process, okay? Um, and, and just so you all know, who are not Armour Insiders, I'm not chasing a whole bunch of small cap biotech, okay? Um, and I'm not focusing on vaccines right now. That's a, that's a later date. I might do that at some point in the future, Right now, I'm focused on treatments. All right. Um, let's get to the cannabis couch, and then I'm going to get to all your questions. I see you guys are starting to write, and I love it. So let me wrap this up. Um, cannabis couch. A couple quick things I want to say. Stocks did well last week. That, that's nothing new. I mean, the whole market was up, so those stocks came off of the lows. We haven't missed anything. Everybody relax. You don't have to buy the ultimate low. Okay. But I was on the conference call last week. There's another Armour Insider brought this to my attention and reminded me we got to listen to these calls as I was focused on other things. So I appreciate that. You know who you are. And I listened, I listened to the calls. 
of cure relief and green thumb, okay? How can I put this? Um, juggernaut. Now, I'm not telling you to buy those stocks. They both trade on the Canadian Stock Exchange. I would never come on this channel or tell any investor, go buy a stock on the Canadian Stock Exchange in the midst of a market crash, okay? Do that at your own risk. I might do it personally, but I would never recommend you do it because it's an illiquid market where price discovery, to say the least, is dubious, <laughs> okay? Um, uh, and, I mean, you know, we got all these other problems in the world. Um, so I'm, you know, committing money to an exchange like that right now, probably not the best idea. And you don't need the risk, okay? There's one company in the U.S. that works with all, not all, but a lot of the U.S. cannabis MSOs and is increasing their business exponentially this year. And it pays a fat dividend. You all know what I'm talking about, right? Innovative properties. But what I heard from those two calls, I could probably sum up in the, in the CEO of Green Thumb answered an analyst this way. Um, up until this crisis, analysts on the calls, and I'm, I've been listening to these calls for a couple of years, they're always asking the question of how many stores are you opening? How fast can you open them? How many square feet do you have to grow? All these, these are all the questions leading up to this earnings announcement. So what's the major shift? The CEO of Green Thumb put it this way. Um, we're growing revenues at a ferocious rate, the old-fashioned way. As soon as we make product, it's flying off the shelf. We can't make enough product to get it in stores as it flies off the shelf. Remind you of anything? How about drug stores? How about grocery stores? This is why it's considered an essential store, right? We talked about that last week and how important that was. It's changing the perception of cannabis. Before this crisis, who would have said that your local cannabis dispensary was essential? Coming out of this crisis, everybody realizes that it's essential. It's like a drugstore. I was talking to my sister about this on a long walk. She's my big sister. We've been friends for you know, ever since we were little. Um, and I was having this chat with her, and she asked me this question. And I thought it was like brilliant. I couldn't believe I didn't think of it myself. She said, if it's considered essential, why is it still Schedule S1? What a great question. How long can that last? Right? Heroin and cocaine are Schedule S1. I don't see any government body calling them essential. Why is cannabis on the same list? Now, it's a wonderful thought. It doesn't mean it's going to change overnight. We've got enough problems in government. I don't know when it's going to change. But coming out of this, perceptions are changing. So we've avoided a crash. We've avoided a collapse in the cannabis stocks. We've been waiting and waiting for opportunities to put money to work. At the lows two weeks ago, canopy growth was almost trading at cash. Its market cap was, was below $4 billion, and they have $3.8 billion of cash. I mean, now look, in some bear markets, stocks will go below cash value. But you know when you're buying down there, it's ridiculous. And if you have a long-term horizon, right? 
So I haven't bought yet. I'm not putting money into it yet. I'm waiting for my algorithms. I have a way of putting money to work. But I'm high grading these names to my whiteboard. Cannabis companies with a lot of cash and the U.S. business is absolutely booming. Okay? Buy the U.S. MSOs at your risk. Okay? But um, certainly for me, uh, uh, you know, innovative properties will be another position. I mean, we owned it already. We made money on that trade. It cratered with the market. There's no reason it should be down. They're going to be collecting all, all of their uh, lease payments from these companies. Okay. So um, that's my opinion, at least I think. So I'm looking to reenter that. All right, guys, that's it. Let's get to questions. Thanks for listening to me. I appreciate it. Um, Let's go. I'm going to just roll to the top here and get to some questions. All right. What do you think about REIT or dividend stocks right now? Okay, I already answered that question, right? Some of these REITs, you just, I saw some REITs cutting dividends that I never thought would do that. There was a, a medical REIT, one of my favorite medical property REITs, cut the dividend. It's like, really? Even the medical properties can't maintain the dividend. I just can't buy them right now. So I think we have to shift our focus. If we start buying stocks, it has to be disruptive growth stocks that are going to make it right through this crisis and come out stronger. And like I said, if we get, oh my goodness, she loves to, to tell me how long I'm talking, huh? Um, if we get um, resolution or understanding of the COVID crisis, then I might shift to buying some of my favorite dividend names that I think won't cut the dividend. All right. Um, CGC. I mean, okay. Someone's asking, what do I think of CGC? Obviously one of my favorite names with all that cash. And by the way, if you go look at that stock, I guess it was two weeks ago now. Look, whether you like canopy growth or not, I know a lot of guys like to, you know, uh, joke about what a terrible company it is. Look, guys, don't don't um, don't relive the past. Okay, you got burned on canopy growth. I get it. I get it. It doesn't mean it's a terrible company and it's going out of business and all these other things. They got three point eight billion dollars of cash and a new management team and a and a massive uh, um, um, distribution arm behind them in Constellation Brands. So to discredit them because you think their product's no good. That's got nothing to do with investing. Institutions put money in balance sheets that are strong in times like this. So if people start institutions, start buying stocks again and believe cannabis will be stronger when this is all over, which they should, because let me tell you something. In, in, in Canada, if it's anything like what's going on in the U.S., this is going to resolve the overhang of inventory. All these companies had too much inventory. And now, I mean, they're just blowing it out the front door. Online sales, of course, are going through the roof. So um, don't relive past failures. The best investors of the world are able to forget about mistakes, learn from them, and move on. All right? Um, so I like CGC. If the U.S. $2 trillion, here's a question. The U.S. $2 trillion plan fails and has to cost $25 trillion, To save the economy, do we raise the stop loss line to non-loss stop? 
How does that sound? Now, I'm not sure what non-loss stop means. You're going to have to explain that one to me. I mean, I don't understand that really. There, you, what would that be? You buy it, it has to go up immediately, or you sell it? I think you'll just overtrade your account and get stopped out constantly. I don't think that will work. I think I've got three stops that I use. The low of the day I buy it, the low of the move, the low of the structure. In a bear market, I tend to use low of the day I bought it. Okay, I'll cut it faster. In a bull market, I might use low of the structure, which is usually the, the most lenient of the stops. Or I use a little bit of all three. I cut a third, I cut a third, I cut the end if I want to in some markets. So my answer to your question would be, if you're uncomfortable and you don't want to do it, don't do it. If you're going to put some capital to work, use the low of the day you bought it, which, you know, you got to, there's always going to be some risk in any position you take. It shouldn't be that enormous. And reduce your position size. That's the key in this market, guys. You can get involved, but at a much smaller number if you want to manage your risk, right? The market usually, the S&P might have a range of 1% to 2% in a normal trading session. It's 5 to 10 right now. So you can cut your position size down to 25% of the 100. If, if, if you put on X on a normal market, maybe you just put on a quarter of X right now. You could still get involved. You could still scratch the itch when you think it's the right investment, the right idea, but it won't blow up your capital if the market implodes again. All right? The other thing I do... I'm just sharing my experience. I'm not recommending options to people. Okay. Most people shouldn't do it. If they're not sophisticated, they don't understand options. You know, it's, it's hard to do, but for me, uh, you know, like over this weekend, I have an options position on the small cap index. So I'm long some things that I added last week and I've taken a, a, a small cap, a put option, very short term, only a week out to protect me over the weekend, just so I could sleep, right? If the market crashes on Monday morning, I'll be stopped out of some positions by the end of the day and I'll be making money in that put and it'll make it an easier emotional decision to run the portfolio correctly. I don't recommend it, but I'm just telling you what I do. Uh, and to wrap up on that thought, if you're, if you're that concerned about the economy and the market and everything, then you probably just shouldn't trade right now. Just, just wait. You know, if we get a risk on buy signal for all the algorithms, then rethink. All right, Brett, talked about CGC before because of cash infusion constellation. Yeah, absolutely. CGC. Okay. All right. Any thoughts why the whole market was down for the last 30 minutes on Friday? Is it manipulation? That's a great question. It's a great question. This is, um, so that's Nick. That's a really good question. This is, um, this is kind of like a day trading question. So let's make sure we all understand that. I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, um, this has nothing to do with armor investing the way I've explained it. Um, so we all understand that, right? Let's all shake our heads on that. This is about day trading. Um, what I've been doing in my own portfolio, uh, let, let me, let me answer the question directly as I dance around it. I don't think it's manipulation at all. Okay. There are algorithms that are trading and the day trading is enormous right now. There's tons of money being made. If you must know, I was buying my puts on the small cap index 
as it accelerated higher from 3 to 3.30. I finished putting my puts on at 3.30. Then the market imploded. I said, I've already got a gain. Why was I doing that? The reason is, um, this is more important than ever. The real price of the stock, or any stock, any index, is the volume weighted average price. You've heard me say this again and again. Let me show you a picture. Okay, let's take a look at uh, the small cap index only because that's, oops. This is what I was trading. And so you'll see what I'm talking about. Volume weighted average price, guys. You've got to know it. You've got to learn it. It's the real price. Now, if you look here where my hand, this little hand is, those black dots are the armor volume weighted average price. What that means is, and just real quick, there's a basic VWAP for wherever you're trading. If you're at Interactive Brokers or, or Schwab or Fidelity or anywhere, you, you'll be able to pull up what the VWAP is. That's just a basic kind of, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, arithmetic, I guess, VWAP. The Armor VWAP that I use, of course, we developed it in-house, incorporates volatility, both top day and multi-day. So I think it's a little bit more, uh, it's a lot more accurate. But even the, the basic VWAP will help you, okay? Even the basic VWAP. So why was I shorting it in the last half hour? So here I started shorting here, right? Our buying puts, started buying puts here, and I finished my put buying off right up here, Literally, on that first down bar, I added the rest, and then it imploded, okay? Because, and you'll see this a lot, you'll see this a lot every day. If you're far above the VWAP, chances are in the last half hour, the market goes back down to the VWAP. Think of the VWAP as a huge magnet. Same is true if you're way below the VWAP. It will rally in the last 30 minutes. You've seen that happen, right? And you might think it's manipulation. It really isn't. It's just that the market has gotten so far away, three, four, five standard deviations away. In fact, if you look at this chart again, these lines right here, I don't know if you can see them real well, but see that when my hand is there? That's three standard deviations above the VWAP. I don't, buy, I don't bother drawing the fourth and the fifth, but um, uh, suffice it to say, when it gets above three standard deviations above the VWAP, I know that we're in dangerous territory. And so that's where I'll look to put a short on and vice versa. You know, a few um, last week, I went long the triple Qs on a bad down day as it closed way down below. Now, in that case, it didn't rally in the last half hour. It just gapped up the next morning. So if you're too far away from the VWAP, in the last half hour, there tends to be, you know, a closure. It doesn't happen all the time, but it tends to do that. <clears throat> and what I would submit to you is it was never really trading that far from the VWAP. It was probably a light volume people that were chasing the market. And when they were done, the real market participants came in and brought it back to the VWAP. Hope that answers the question. Sorry if it's too long, but. Um, People are uncomfortable holding through the weekend taking profits. Oh, those are the reasons. Okay. Yeah, profit taking could, could be a reason. But if you look at the half an hour, 
is what the question was about in the last half hour. Um, it just, it's that VWAP pull. It happens over and over again. Hit, hit the subscribe button. Thank you, Brandon. Appreciate it. Thoughts on uh, the Fed printing from Brandon. Powell says he's just going to keep on printing until things are under control. Um, do we think I, I um, this is a real tough question, Brendan. Nobody knows. Will the market retest the low? This is a real, you know, I'm struggling with this, you know, um, um, this decision. Do I want to put money to work in here because you don't fight the Fed? And believe, believe me when I tell you that every time we go through a market like this and the market's imploding and the Fed starts buying, there's a lot of people that come out and say, it'll retest, it'll retest. Don't worry about it. You're not missing anything. You know, sometimes it retests, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, if the Fed steps on the gas hard enough, it won't. If the Fed act, acts as a buyer of last resort, which they should, then it will come back down and test, right? Because the Fed won't hold it up. They'll step out, let it test. Then the Fed will come in and buy it again to set up a double bottom. You, you know, we just don't know how the Fed's going to behave. So I keep focusing on, uh, um, you know, the investment grade bond market because they told us they're buying LQD. So let's look. In fact, I think this is another, let's take a look at this real quick. Well, let's look at it here. Yeah, so look, the LQD, this is LQD right here. You can see it traded in its opening range like the whole time, which is the opening range is the, the green line up top and the red line down here. Okay, that's our opening range that we care about. And it never accelerated out of it. And the, and the VWAP stayed within it. So all day that the market was skyrocketing, bonds were not going up. So it was telling you that the market's on its own right now. Nobody's bidding up the bond market. And then the market came down at the end of the day. So my thought is, if you see LQD going back down, that means the Fed has stepped away to see how the market's going to behave, and then they'll come back in and support when they have to. You know, so we just got to watch closely. Um, do I believe can trust will go bankrupt? Politics for dummies. I can't uh, tell you. I, I, don't, I haven't looked at can trust in a while. I if you've been following me for a long time, you know I made that call early to get out of CanTrust last year. I mean, literally, the minute news broke of their malfeasance, I said, "You got it. This thing is going to go to zero. Um, I haven't looked at the stock since, really, so I don't know what their cash position is. Can't help you there. Charlotte's Web did a merger, mm -hmm. cash, increasing cash, and subs, hoping it'll be like. You know what? I, I'm really disappointed in Charlotte's Web. I'll be honest with you. Revenues were down, you know. Um, as I said to you guys, I tweeted out revenues, you know, sequentially went down at a time where I thought they would have been up. And, um, you know, there was a ballooning amount of, I think it's more than a million dollars of, uh, revenue. That's more than 60 days past due. Right. So days sales outstanding. Somebody asked me once an insider asked me, could I explain to you all in detail how I do fundamental analysis? And I mean, that would take years, <laughs> but I can tell you a couple things. I'll try to add some things as we go. And 
one thing I watch closely when I listen to a conference call and I look at a balance sheet and income statement and the, the details of a quarterly number, I look for DSOs, days, sales, outstanding. And you, you look for what the average DSO is. And if you start to see DSOs go up a lot, you know there's a problem in the company. It's an early warning sign. People aren't paying their bills. Inventory is not turning. They're putting it on the shelf and no one's buying it. Okay, so those are some things to look at. Um, and so I'm a little sour on Charlotte's Web at the moment. And honestly, the story has been pushed out like everything else because of COVID. Because supposedly, before the end of March, the FDA was supposed to rule on uh, um, cannabinoid ingestibles, right? And they haven't done it. And they're not going to do it because they're dealing with all the COVID problems. So it's a story for another time. Okay, so okay, uh, ID Doc asking me about um, gold mining stocks. Great, I'm glad you asked. Um, I just you did if you joined late. I was saying that the first, the last couple of days of every month, you're going to get downward pressure on the price of the metals normally. So don't be surprised if that happens early next week. And so typically stocks lead the metal. So the stocks got hit yesterday. It's like a knee jerk reaction. A lot of a lot of funds. A lot of, you know, algos probably sell GDX, GDXJ right into the last couple of days of the month, knowing that the price of the metal probably is going to drop. It doesn't always drop. This could be a time. Let me tell you something. If gold goes up big Monday or Tuesday, I mean, it will break a rhythm of usual weakness. And I think it will, you know, um, have a major positive impact on the miners. But um, look, they had a huge run. And it, they're volatile. So, you know, all I could say there. Um, I've already got my positions on. I'm not chasing them. You know, I have mostly bullion in the portfolio. Bullion uh, exceeds my mining positions by a factor of two to one. And, um, you know, I'm going to try to make it through the swings. ACB, great question. I, um, um, it's not on my whiteboard, ACB. I've got other names on my whiteboard. <clears throat> I do have a, <clears throat> excuse me, a $2 stock on my whiteboard. I do. There's one Canadian LP that I love. It's not ACB, though. Um, so, but like I said, I think the inventory problem that's been overhanging this whole industry is probably going to go away the next time we hear earnings numbers. Probably going away right now. That's a guess. I know that's happening here in the U.S. Not that we had inventory problems in the U.S. anyway, but I imagine it's the same thing going on in Canada. People are cooped up in houses with nothing better to do but smoke weed. I mean, that's what's happening. So we got to focus. Okay. 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 So uh, Katie is saying that you, you raised your stops and you booked a profit on Newmont. After I'm um, losing money on a different mining stock. Okay, I get it. I get it. Look, there's two different ways to trade in a bear market. You can either take positions, try to ride through it, okay, and there's going to be extreme volatility, or you can trade faster. If you trade faster and you're out of Newmont, how would you get back in? Um, I don't know. We'd have to take this offline. I know you're an insider, so best for us to chat one-on-one -on -one about that, and we can look at the stock together, and I'll show you what my re-entry points would be. How about that? Let's talk about that on Monday, okay? Um, where am I? 
signed up. Whoops. Um, so someone's saying something about o, uh, Joshua. He's talking about OLG, um, OLA, 75 million bought deal, Newmont included in the purchase. Interesting. I'll take a look. Um, okay. What are your thoughts on uh, gold in Mexico? So, look, I don't, it's not that I don't like junior miners. It's just that we're in a market crash, and so I'm staying with the big ones. I did add two junior miners to Armor portfolios last week, okay? So I'm willing to do it, but I'm avoiding Mexico. I'm avoiding Africa. I'm avoiding all of these places right now. I'm high-grading my portfolio and sticking with North American mines. It's hard enough to figure out what's going on in this country, much less everywhere else. So that's how I'm doing it. Not that you can't be successful, right? I mean, I don't know that particular company. I'll have to take a look. But um, I'm, avoid, I'm avoiding that for right now. It's also opportunity cost of money, right? So we all have our favorites, and my favorites are just North American companies right now. You know, high-grade ideas. Okay, you're asking how long, uh, Katie, how long will the gold rally last? I, you know, um, w- without being too uh, um, enthusiastic, I mean, sky's the limit. It's like open-ended, right? The Fed said their checkbook is open. They're writing checks to buy investment-grade corporate bonds. Our government just announced $2 trillion, and they're already talking about the next package, Here's an answer to your question. Let's take a look at this chart. No, you can't see it right now, but I want to surprise you. All right. Take a look at this chart and tell me what you think can happen. This is the chart of the U.S. dollar. Okay. It peaked in the, in the, in the fear. It, like, people were just hiding in dollars. Now it's cratering. Okay. And if it takes out the 200-day moving average again, let's just, let's um, fix this up so it looks a little smaller here, right? It's a nice long uptrend. If it breaks now, which it was doing, and then people just flew into treasuries in the midst of the crash, if this breaks, which, by the way, it should break. I mean, we're just flooding, flooding the world with U.S. dollars. That means co- commodity prices go up, not oil. It's a whole other issue. But hard assets like gold and silver, and I know you were asking about SPPP, Right, palladium, platinum. I'm not. I don't own those, but those things go up when the dollar is getting wrecked. And I don't see how the dollar doesn't keep getting wrecked in this in this current climate. So I can hear someone just say it. Who was it? Which one of you just said to me, "You're making a logical decision in an illogical market"? Who was that? <laughs> You're right. You're right. Okay. I think it's open ended. I think gold can go a lot higher. Therefore, I'm giving it more room in my stops. I could be wrong. We'll see. Um, Good for you on tops. Let's see. As the U.S. currency. Are there other currencies or assets in other countries you may recommend 
one to buy. The only answer for that is gold, in my opinion. That's the currency I'd recommend people buy because all central banks are devaluing currencies at the same time, spending massive amounts of capital. So the answer to that, you just answered your own question then. Gold should be open-ended on the upside. You can't print gold. How about this ridiculous statistic? All the gold in the world that's ever been mined, ever been mined, could fit in one Olympic-sized swimming pool. That's it. And they've been mining gold back past the Incas. All right. Um, V-shaped bounce on IIPR. Yeah, I hate V-shaped bounces, you know, and I'm kicking myself for not buying that stock at 50. I mean, I, but after listening to those two conference calls last week um, and, and realizing how strong the U.S. cannabis business is, I'm looking to buy that stock on weakness, you know. All right. Um, is Oxy going to ever rise again? I don't. I, I. I just don't know enough about that company right now. But I know I'm avoiding all things energy related. I'm done. I'm done banging my head against that wall. You know what uh, Einstein said about insanity, right? It's doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Okay, I, I'm out for now. There's a lot of shenanigans going on in the energy space from Russia to the Middle East to the U.S. I got better things to, to spend my time on. That's my thought there. Sprott Silver, absolutely. Absolutely. Big fan of Sprott Silver, Sprott Gold. That's my way of playing the physical metal. Yeah, how do I look at the stock of Telray soaring last week? I, I have to assume that was a short squeeze, although I don't know who was in there shorting it. I mean, who was the guy who was still short Telray in, you know, in the low single digits? Um, but there's a lot of bizarre moves going on in these stocks right now. And I just, you know, I don't look at the percentage moves from day to day because they're insane, you know. Um, and I don't think you can explain away every one. What do you think is the last question here? I'm going to wrap up. What do you think? Um, what do you think next week and particularly Monday will bring? You know, I, I don't know. And honestly, I'm hedged right now. That's how much I don't know. I am long a, a small uh, personally. Now I'm talking personally. I've got a piece of my triple Q position on from last week. Um, you know, and at the same time, I, I, I'm long small cap put options. Clearly, I don't know what's going to happen Monday. Okay. Um, I'm still leaning towards you don't fight the Fed. The Fed has said they're going to be out there buying with an unlimited resource. So I, to wrap up this thought, guys, I am looking to buy weakness when, in equities when the bond market is steady. If equities are collapsing and LQD is collapsing, no interest. If equities are collapsing – and LQD is relatively steady, telling me the Fed's in there buying and supporting, then I'm looking to maybe pick off some of my favorite names. And of course, in a very small way, because I'm waiting for the armor algorithms to tell me that the risk monitor is now green, and then I'll put real money to work. Until then, I'm just little bits here and there, okay? 
Guys, I hope this has been helpful. Um, well, okay, last question, Tech Monkey, um, MJ ETF. I would rather buy my favorite names that are in MJ than MJ right now. I think there's too many names that are in MJ that might not be around in a, a, a year. I think I can way outperform MJ at this point. I know I've liked it in the past, but at this point, I need to high-grade my portfolio and own the guys with the most amount of cash when I think the time is right. Thank you all for being here with me. I really appreciate it. I can't believe it. Did I leave these little signs up the whole conversation? I did. All right. Well, anyway, give me a thumbs up. Subscribe if you guys have an interest. The armorreport.com is right down there. You can subscribe and become an Armor Insider and then join our Slack chat room and all day long chat with other Armor Insiders and myself about what we're involved in on a second-by-second basis if you want to know that stuff. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good weekend. Be safe out there.